the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. And this is the Wine Women Radio Hour. I'm Marcia Maycumber, one of your three co-hosts today. Uh, we've got Misty Rodebush kane is with us. Hello, Misty. Hello, everyone. Hello, listeners. Nice to hear everyone and be back on air. Yeah, it sure is. And Lisa Adams-Walter. Hi, Lisa. Hi, happy to be back. I've missed you. I know. It, it, we've been on a corona hiatus. And now we are back using different technology since we still have to shelter in place, but uh, we adapt, right? So I don't know about uh, each of you, but um, I had a very busy hiatus. That was some of the reason that we were off is my clients in the wine industry um, all needed to move quickly to adapt. Um, Suddenly tasting rooms, not available, but still everybody wants to reach out to their customers. Uh, and particularly some new businesses that had put websites and um, tasting events online, they'd put that on their back burner and now wanted to move it to the front since their physical doors were closed. So that kept me pretty hopping the past few months. How about you, Misty? Yeah, Marsha, exactly. We've we've been pivoting and we're offering now um, virtual tastings and we're conducting virtual experiences so we've really had to pivot our entire business and rethink the way that you know we operate thankfully we had a nice infrastructure in place that we were able to leverage for those virtual tastings and virtual trade and distributor meetings so it's been busy to say the least um but we are um hanging in there and adapting and it's exciting to see all of the wineries um reinventing themselves How about you, Lisa? You're a busy girl, I know. I I would say the same thing. I'm just seeing wineries pivot. Um, I'm seeing tasting, you know, professionals really jump in and take on new roles. Um, A lot of, I think, really valuable information is available for free. You can hop on and see winemakers talk and tell stories and taste wines. And if there was ever a time that someone wanted to learn about wine, this was the time to do it because wineries are putting everything out there. Really just, it's available right in in your living room. Um, Also, people have been able to order wine and taste along with wine professionals at home. So it has been exciting. There have been some definite positives while this has been a super challenging time in terms of the economy and business and tourism and hospitality. Yeah, I I would agree. And thankfully we have moved, uh, I think fully through phase two in Sonoma County. Napa has been a little bit ahead of us, I think, uh, in terms of reopening. So you guys are already opening, right, Lisa? Um, Misty would be better to talk to that. I don't Not the wineries, but I mean overall right. the county. Oh, yeah. well, um, some restaurants are opening in with some socially distanced yeah. policies, but it, it's really been slow. A lot of them are being very careful and cautious in their reopening. As far as I've seen, I've not been out. I've only done takeout, um, but I, I've heard from other people that you know, it's a, it's a little dicey. So yeah. I think everyone is learning as they go. Yes. Yeah, the governor, the governor is looking at it on a case by case and county by county basis. If you're not from California, you know, so we're looking at it on a county by county basis, looking at the number of incidences 
and making the decisions from there. So the restaurants, yes, they're, they're starting to open, but the wineries are still remaining closed. We have heard word that they will um, be loosening the restrictions here shortly and offering curbside pickup, but that's still um, for discussion. Yeah. And speaking of curbside pickup, the ABC, which for our listeners who may not know, that's the Alcohol Bureau of California, if I have the acronym and the full name correct, but known colloquially as the ABC, um, they've announced that bars, wineries, breweries, and distilleries will be able to sell drinks to go. Um, I'm sure for those people who are worried about people driving while intoxicated are discouraged by that. I really think people will be taking that far more as get your to-go drink and go home and drink it there. Um, so that's something new. And also in the, in the field of women in wine news, um, only two winemakers from the North Bay Business Journal 2020 40 under 40 honorees are um, winemakers, I think, here uh, that are women. Uh, Maggie Cruz, who's the head winemaker for Jordan Vineyard, and Jamie Benziger, who is winemaker for Imagery Estate Winery. So uh, cheers uh, to those ladies and doing well, because uh, we try to make sure that uh, we give a little nod to women out there in the industry, because um, head winemakers, women head winemakers, only comprise 10% of overall head winemakers in the North Bay. So um, a little round of applause for them. Um, now I think we should introduce our guest because she's been waiting patiently on her veranda up in Healdsburg. Renee Perry is with us from Papa Pietro Perry Winery in Healdsburg. Welcome, Renee. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show, and thank you so much for sharing your beautiful rosé of Pinot Noir and the Pinots um, so that we get to taste this during the show uh, and explore what Papa Pietro Perry is all about. Um, so why don't we uh, start a little bit with um, where you are now. You are at the winery, but there are no guests at the winery. Is that right? Right, no guests. We're not open to the public, but we are open for curbside pickup. We are allowed to do that. I didn't know that Napa wasn't, but we are allowed to have curbside pickup. So when people have ordered some wine, we've been having somebody sit up here on the weekends and run it out to their cars and put it in their back of their car with their gloves on and butt masks and all safely. And there's a lot of shipping going on, obviously. A lot of people staying home and drinking more than ever before. So. <laughs> Especially the parents, I think, who are homeschooling. I think it's driven a lot of people to drink. Yes, I've been hearing quite a lot of those stories myself. So uh, a, a good deal of sympathy. I don't have any kids myself, so I haven't had to homeschool anything but my dog. And she's not a really great learner of basic <laughs> schooling stuff. So <laughs> that simplifies that. Um, so what do you think is going to be involved, Renee, for wineries to open and, and most importantly, for the public to feel comfortable? Well, we've been getting guidelines every day, seems to be new and different guidelines every day, which is part of the problem. I, you know, I think this is not really a very clearly thought through process. So they change their ideas every day. So 
we thought we were going to be able to open this weekend because we were told we could open as long as we served food along with the wine and that we had the option to bring in a caterer or a food truck. So we were planning to open with a charcuterie plate. And I was told today from the ABC that does not constitute a meal. It has to be a bona fide meal, whatever that might mean. And it's not a sandwich or a salad or a charcuterie plate. So I don't know. I've seen a lot of emails from a lot of wineries that seem to be opening with those kinds of foods. So I asked them, are they going to go out and close everybody down? And she said, well, you know, we might if we know who they are. So I think we will wait until it's, we see what happens with the food situation. You know, we're doing all of the proper cleaning and, you know, we have our staff trained. We have a thermometer here. We have hand washing stations. We have, you know, uh, disinfectants and all the things that you need to do and we're going to wear masks and stay six feet apart and do the best that we can but it you know it's still a little scary it is you know it's not the virus hasn't gone away in Sonoma County so I mean I don't really feel like we should rush into things I like your long-term thinking <laughs> So uh, I think that's been tricky for a lot of people and uh, it's no surprise really that we're seeing with um, this entire pandemic situation, um, two steps forward, one step back uh, in making progress towards trying to find whatever our new normal is going to be and, and how we get everybody back to business. And we're just going to have to be patient. It's a, it's a tricky thing. I mean, the good part is that everybody is buying wine and shipping wine and drinking wine. And it's opened up a whole new world to us of things like you were saying, virtual tastings. And we're doing Facebook Lives where our winemaker, our co-owner, Ben Papa Pietro and Kristen, our, taste, our wine club manager, are talking about different wines in the wine cellars. We're bringing in guests. And so we're doing a lot of things that we probably never would have done but we're loving doing them and we'll continue to do them forever. I think I, virtual tastings, I believe will become a thing that we will do for the rest of our lives for all those people who don't live here, can't come to visit the winery, gives them a chance to feel like they're part of what's going on here. So they've all been quite successful and it's really been amazing shift a bit. I feel like every day I'm reinventing the wine business. We sit <laughs> in meetings every day and go like, well, what should we do now? You know, things that we've never, thought of and you know kind of an interesting life especially with all of the travel bans because oftentimes you know winery principals and winemakers they do spend um a part of this period of time on the road promoting the brand and you know all of their travel plans were called off this year so it is interesting um with having them here and the access that we've been able to extend to all of the consumers around the U.S. It's been fun. And on the other side, you know, a lot of our visitors obviously come from other places. So even when we open, what does that mean? You know, that you can't, people aren't flying and they're not traveling, you know, from other states. So we'll get local people, I'm sure, who are dying to get out of their house and sit somewhere else and drink wine. But it's all, you know, luckily for us, we don't do a lot of distribution so you know we're in a position where we just don't we're not at that kind of a deal where our principals are not flying around very much but they're kind of happy to stay home <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And well, when you go to paradise, why would you want to go someplace else? True. I was just going to ask Renee to tell the story about you have a really vibrant and committed long-term wine club and you were supposed to travel with them and what happened with that whole thing that was supposed to happen next month, which is really sad. We were supposed to be going on a Mediterranean cruise on June 9th. I was actually leaving for Barcelona on June 1st, which is just a few days away. Um, we had 130 people going on a cruise with us on Oceana for through the Greek islands, for Spain, Italy. We've been looking forward to it for two years. We've been planning it. And uh, we had to cancel, you know, obviously no one's getting on a cruise ship at this moment in time. So it was very sad for all of us, but. Heartbreaking when you've been anticipating something, you know, like that for such a long amount of time. So many things have been heartbreaking, weddings and <laughs> I mean, how many people have graduations and yes, you know, it's goes yes. on and on. Yeah. But not to do well, not to well too much on the negative. Let's let's go back and let's let's hear a little bit about the story of Papa Pietro Perry wines because you guys go back to the eighties and it's you and your husband Bruce and Ben and Yolanda um, who founded and owned the winery. So Renee, why don't you just fill our audience in if they don't know the story, you know, from the beginning. In fast motion. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Ben, Papa Pietro, and my husband, Bruce, both worked together at the San Francisco newspaper agency. Actually, Teamsters. Ben was the head of the Teamsters Union, as a matter of fact. Um, and they became home winemakers. So Ben was good friends with Bert Williams from William Stallion, who also worked at the newspaper. So there were many harvests that Bruce and Ben went and helped Bert make his wine. So they got the bug about making wine. Ben was making wine in his garage and Bruce said, can I help? And so we became, they became partners in it all. We made wine in our garage for 20 years. And uh, Ben had the Pinot Noir at his garage. We had Zinfandel in our garage. And, you know, it was quite a little family run operation. We had a few friends who would come and help when it was time to bottle or process anything. And we made the wine in the garage for several years. And uh, Bruce kind of said one day, I, I think it's time to be a winery. Bert came over and leaned on Ben's barrel and tasted the Pinot and said, this is really good Pinot. And Bruce came home and he went, if Bert thinks our Pinot's good, I think we should become a winery. So we, he went, I said, okay, I knew nothing about running a winery, anything about wineries. I worked in the software business. I was a product manager for software companies for 30 years. So I did know how to run a business, but not necessarily a wine business. And uh, Bruce convinced me that I would just need to make a couple of invoices and do the computer work because he didn't know how to use a computer and that they would do everything else. So I was like, all right. So they made the wine. I ended up with a full-time job because as we know, making wine's only a short amount of time and the rest of the time you have to sell it. So I took that on and you know, I was still working in the software business. I used to work at home on Mondays and Fridays. And on those days I would sit with the phone book and I'd call every restaurant in San Francisco and say, would you like to try Pinot Noir? And if they said yes, I said, Bruce, go down there tomorrow, 10 o'clock, you're tasting wine. And if they bought it, he would go and deliver it. And they would be like, wait a minute, aren't you the owner? And like, we didn't know any better, it was just us. So, <laughs> and uh, he would, that's how we started. And, you know, we made 70 cases on our first harvest, first uh, production. And uh, then we kind of, we decided, I, 
you work in the software business, you get laid off a lot. So I got laid off from my job. And my husband said, you know, well, maybe we ought to think about moving up to Sonoma and make this really our thing. And so, I, okay, I, we moved up to Healdsburg and I still worked in a software company because as you know, to start a winery, you don't really have much money in the beginning. And uh, we used to, when I ran the winery out of the back bedroom and the phone would ring and Bruce would say, who was that? And I would tell him who it was that bought wine because we knew everybody that bought the wine. And then one time the phone rang and I answered it and he goes, who was that? And I go, I didn't know them. And it would be the biggest celebration. Somebody bought wine that we don't know. And that was just kind of the start. And then uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan, who's the sommelier Michael Jordan, not the tall black Michael Jordan, but sommelier from, he, when he opened up Compass Rose down in uh, Disneyland, it was a big deal that he was opening up a wine restaurant in Disneyland. And he came to our winery when we were making our wine in, over at Windsor Oaks, where we were just using their facility and tasted the wine and fell in love with it and brought it into the restaurant. And he wrote in the LA Times when they did an interview on the opening of the Compass Rose and they asked him, well, what's your favorite wine? And he said, well, currently my favorite is the Papa Pietro Perry Russian River Valley Pinot Noir in the LA Times. So <laughs> that was pretty exciting. <laughs> and it, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> after that, things kind of took off and we grew, then we got to move up here and uh, make the wine in this beautiful, beautiful location in Dry Creek Valley. And so it's, you know, been a ride. <laughs> and now we're up to about 8,000 cases. And so there you go, from 70 cases to 8,000, just took 22 years. Yeah. Overnight success. <laughs> a little bit of time, an overnight success in 22 years. Bravo, well done. Thank you. Uh, Let's let Renee. Let's dig in right away because I bet our listeners would like to know about the wines. Um, so we have some in front of us. Um, we have your beautiful rosé of Pinot Noir. It's the 2019, so it's the brand new release. I imagine this has only been out anywhere from two days to two months. <laughs> we actually <laughs> release it on Valentine's. Day. We release it on Valentine's Day every year because seems appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. The other thing that our listeners might not be aware of, and Renee can expand on this, is that Papi Pietro Perry is what, 95% a Pinot Noir house and makes a number of different vineyard designate Pinot Noirs they've made for a very, very long time, but they're located in Dry Creek Valley. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Right. We make Zinfandel from Dry Creek Valley, and that's the only wine that comes from. And we can watch those grapes grow. They grow right out here, right where we are on our porch. The grapes are grown right here for the Zinfandel. But uh, we were just lucky enough to get this facility. We were looking for a place where we could open a tasting room and have a winemaking facility. Uh, Randy Peters of the Peters Vineyard, which we will taste in soon. Uh, his family, his brother, runs this property up here at Timbercrest Farms in, uh, in Healdsburg, which is on Dry Creek Road. And they trans stopped, they used to make dried fruits and nuts up here. This was a place where they did uh, sun-dried tomatoes and dehydrated carrots and all sorts of things. Well, they closed that business down and converted the buildings to wineries. And he called us and said, we're converting our buildings. Now's the chance. We want to come up and see. And I think you can move in up here. So we came up and lucky enough, we were one of the first to come up here. So we got to pick the spot that we wanted, which gave us this beautiful patio that I'm sitting on. And... Uh, so we're in Dry Creek Valley and it kind of is interesting because 
obviously not a lot of Pinot around in Dry Creek Valley, which is quite helpful because all the wineries nearby, when somebody's in their winery and says, I want to try Pinot Noir, they send them here. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So we do make 10, 10 Pinot Noirs, which is quite a collection. What's this? Two, two blends and some vineyard designates. We also make two clonal Pinot Noirs, which are unusual. We make a 777 clone, which is just that one clone of Pinot Noir from a couple of vineyards. And we also make a Pomard clones. But the rosé is kind of new. We've made it for just a few years. And uh, we make it from the free run juice that comes out of the bins when we first bring all the grapes in. And, you know, it's quick and doesn't sit on skins, which is why it's this lovely light color that's just so pretty and it's delicious on the summer day like today where it's 100 degrees out here i think yep. <laughs> everywhere but san francisco it's 100 degrees <laughs> or something something above that so i like your description of this wine is petal pink um in color it definitely matches that it's very aromatic ladies what do you got well i just love rosé and pinot noir in general so it's a treat for me. I hadn't tried this wine, um, but I, I love dry rosés all year round, but especially this time of year. So this, this was really beautiful. It's a real treat. And I, um, Renee, I don't know if you have a story behind this, but you do tell in the winemaker's notes, you're not the winemaker, so they may not be your notes, but you talk about um, that, the, there are three ways, or the, there can be three ways. There's Sanye, which is bleeding, and there's direct press. And you do a free run. Um, was there a decision-making process of why to do a free run rosé? I might be making this up, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, when we got a new press, and we bought a new, some new machinery. And before, when we used to dump the grapes into the bin dumper, you know, everything went in. And now the juice, we got all this extra juice that because of this new machinery. And we kind of looked at it and went like, huh, this is rosé. So we decided to, you know, do it with the free run juice that's at the bottom. And it, it seems to be delicious. So. Woohoo. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it sells out, right? It doesn't last long. It's popular. Oh, yeah. It sells out every year. We made more this in this year than we had in the past because we've been sold out every other year, even before the summer began. And so, and we got a lot of disappointed people who would want to come and buy hot, you know, the wine for the warm weather, and we didn't have any. So we made a, some few extra hundred cases for this year. So we still are almost sold out, but we do have some right now. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. It's, I love the color and the taste, the subtleties, and then, but, but then so complex as well. So it's really fantastic. Thank you. As I said, bone dry, Lisa's favorite, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we like our wine dry. <laughs> very, very dry. Um, is this, um, and if I miss this, my apologies, is this um, a blend from multiple vineyards? Yes. So it's all the free run juice. It's lovely. It's just, it's so refreshing. It's perfect on a day like today when it's absolutely unbearably warm for the most part. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Let's um, 
Should we move on to the Pinot? Yeah. Sure. And I said Pinot as if it was singular. Renee, you already said that you guys make 10 single vineyard designates Pinots. Right. Um, so for our listeners who are big fans of Pinots, this is a great opportunity for you to check out how different they can all be from many different vineyards. Um, what are we starting with, Renee? Which of the Pinots? We're going to start with the 2016 Sonoma Coast. Okay. So the Sonoma Coast is a blend. We make two blends, a Russian River Valley blend and a Sonoma Coast blend. And so they're with the blends for us or what when we want to try a new vineyard and we're don't get that much of a vineyard or various reasons, Ben will choose to use those smaller lots or different new lots into the blend so that we get to see how they perform before we commit, you know, to making a vineyard designate. And then also Ben really does have the belief, you know, sometimes the sum of the parts is, you know, kind of better. So a little bit of everything mixed, of other vineyards mixed together creates this full bodied delicious Pinot Noir with all of the characteristics that we're looking for. The Sonoma Coast, you know, is a, it's always a favorite of everyone's and it's, I think about five different vineyards that are in it and uh, 91 points from Wine Spectator, but not, you know, it's mostly just, we decide what we like. I always tell people in the wine, you know, they come into the tasting room and want to know, you know, whether they should like it or not. I was like, well, do you like it or not? That's, that's all that matters. You know, when you taste it, do you go yum or do you go, hmm? You know, that determines whether the wine is good. You shouldn't listen to one person's opinion, person who gives it a score, but. I love that advice. You know, wine tasting is, is always so individual and it's so true that, you know, you have to develop your own palate. And if you, you know, find yourself agreeing with one of the critics, then okay, fine, then follow what they like because their chances are that you might like other wines that they like, but you don't have to tie yourself into, you know, only liking wines that the critics deem well, appropriate. One of our uh, club members told me a story that he went to dinner with a whole bunch of his friends. He has 10 friends. They all drink, go to have winemaker din you know, wine dinners. Everybody brings a bottle and a brown bag. And they taste the wine at the dinner. And whoever's wine is the worst has to pay for dinner. <laughs> That's his deal. So he said he goes to this thing. He a hundred point wine he took with him because he said, I, I got this and it was in the bag, literally and figuratively. And he said they all tasted all the wines and he lost. So. Oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> That's the thing I tell people when they ask about scores. It's like one person's opinion, you know, is chocolate milkshake better than a strawberry milkshake or a vanilla milkshake? Maybe, you know, so just whatever you like. I noticed Renee on this Pinot Noir um, that Ben has a very distinct and some might even think elaborate um, cooperage recipe. Um, 11 months in the Francois Frere French oak, a third of it's new, a third of it is a year old, and a third of it is two years old. Um, do you know whether or not Ben uh, spent some time experimenting with that recipe of how much, of how, how old the barrels were? Yes, I think he does, because some of the wines, like the clonal wines, are on more new oak than, the, than these blends are, and um, we keep, when the wine grapes come into the winery, we keep every lot separate. Every 
clone, every vineyard is kept in a separate barrel. So we know that if this is Peter's vineyard and it's they he has three different clones and there's three different barrels and they all have the different and he they taste each one individually and determine the blend. So when he comes through to these uh, like the Russian River and the Sonoma Coast, you know they sit down there like mad scientists with beakers and put a little bit of this and a little bit of that and everybody tastes until we get to the place where says this is you know this is what we want we try very hard to be consistent i think that is one of the things that we're kind of known for our wines are very consistent and that if you like this wine this year you're going to like it next year and you will like the older one and you know you just tastes don't change all that much from year to year because we do the same exact process and we have the same uh oak it's only you know francois fair one kind of oak pretty much yeah and Renee, making wine for 20 years and such a strong affinity towards Pinot Noir, I find that fascinating. So was there some story behind that? Or, you know, you'll often see these wineries, they'll create, you know, they'll start with one, one specific core varietal, but then they'll branch off and they'll start producing other wines. But I love that it's like obsessive Pinot Noir, like all the different clones. I mean, there's so much variety in what you offer with one single varietal. Well, there's several reasons. One is we love Pinot Noir. We wanted to drink it. I mean, we started a winery because we wanted to drink Pinot Noir and we didn't have any money. So if you want to drink good Pinot Noir, you better make it yourself is what we said. So <laughs> that's why we started making Pinot. And also, I mean, from a business point of view, it doesn't need to age as long as a lot of other wines. And that's so that's appealing to me from a business point of view. We don't have to sit on the wine for, you know, three or four years before we can even think about putting it in a bottle. Um, and I think, you know, my marketing background has taught me to be a master, you know, you have one instead you know i don't need to do one thing great and you get known for doing something great it's better to me jack of all trades master of none didn't sit well with me so <laughs> i'd rather be a master of one and some and uh, you know uh, we have other we have assistant winemaker who has his own winery and they always want to try different things and ben you know ben is this is what we do and we do it the way we want to do it and we try to do it the best we can do it so i feel like it makes us better at this yeah, it's fascinating. Beautifully integrated. Mm -hmm. It really is. What is, uh, what's the anticipated aging, you think, on the Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir? Well, we'd say all of the Pinots, really. Five to seven years is, you know, ideal time for drinking Pinot Noir, but it depends on what you like, like all things. We, some people like their wine aged more because they like that older flavor. I happen to like the younger flavor. I like when the wine has a lot of fruit and the fruit is what falls off when you age your wine. But I drank a 2001 the other day and it was still delicious. So, you know, luckily our wines do age quite well. You know, I don't know that they actually get better. You know, people have this false idea. I think that all wines should be aged and that they're just gonna be better when they're older, which we all know not to be true. It just depends on the wine. And so um, I always tell everybody, drink it now and buy more. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I recently heard um, Ben talk on a, one of the Facebook lives about the Sonoma Coast as an appellation and how getting out there, even from where you are, which is not that far in terms of miles, is no small feat. <laughs> have, you, have, 
have you been out there, Renee? And I heard that they they fly, they do all sorts of things to get there. Well, to the, vineyards. the Campbell Ranch, which is one of our vineyard designates, is the one that's out in Annapolis, and that they have flown out there. I have not. I, I don't. I don't do, I have motion sickness. I wasn't getting on any small little plane. They asked me if I wanted to go. I, no, thank you. I didn't even <laughs> want to drive out there either. It's a windy, windy roads, you know, it's not good for me. But the Sonoma Coast on the bottle saying it's from the, Sonoma Coast is a very large region. You know, Russian River Valley is a sub Appalachian of the Sonoma Coast Appalachian. So Sonoma Coast Appalachian encompasses lots of different sub Appalachians. So in our case, the Sonoma Coast blend is a mixture of many different vineyards, some from the actual true coast as we call it, and some from Russian River Valley. So it's just a mixture and it's really just the blend. You know, we could have, we have the Sonoma Coast in it, so the the uh, Campbell Ranch. So, you know, it's but it's the Campbell Ranch is the only vineyard that we have that's really out there on the true coast. Wow. Peter's Vineyards out in Sebastopol. I think that's about as far west as we end up going. Yeah, and Pinot Pinot is just such a fascinating grape too. Like it requires you know that cool temp, those cool coastal breezes to really develop, and, or the right. Um, situation from an airflow perspective because it's so susceptible and so finicky so it's fantastic to um you know just envision that trek out there <laughs> to check well, on the vineyards we say that i always tell people that pinot noir is just kind of like us we like it to be warm in the daytime and we love it when it cools off at night and we can sleep really well so you know we like it too hot we don't like it too cold we just right you know so that's why i know last time <laughs> No Pinot grown in Dry Creek Valley, which is why uh, we said we have Zinfandel here. It's way too hot here, but it's, you know, if we drove down to the Russian River right now, I'm sure it would be 10 or 15 degrees cooler than it is right here. Mm -hmm. yeah. People who come from other parts of the country don't experience microclimates the way that we do here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, you can walk 20 feet and have completely different weather going on. It's, it's really quite amazing an experience. And I, I like many, I'm a transplant um, from the Chicago area. So we did not have microclimates in the Chicago area. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of people who would be visitors um, to be surprised by that. Uh, ladies, I, I wanted to ask, we didn't talk too much about the flavor profile, and I wanted to make sure since our listeners don't get to taste unless they, they order a bottle on wine uh, that they can have delivered to them, um, but I wanted to explore that a little. I'm getting a lot of very classic Pinot Noir flavors, a lot of beautiful red cherry and raspberry and tainess and some pomegranate what else are you guys getting yeah i'm definitely picking up a lot of the red fruit that was my first impression which i just is i'm so fond of from a pinot perspective so lots of raspberries bursting even a little bit of strawberry which um i, I picked up in the rosé which was fantastic um very very faint mild strawberry in the rosé of pinot noir and then it's um definitely more concentrated the, very nice red fruit flavors. Yeah, I'm definitely for me berries. And just the thing I noticed right away was just like the nose on this wine was just really multi-layered when you, you know, when, once I first poured it and started swirling it, it was just like all these different layers of really wonderful fragrance came right out. Just classic, beautiful, you know, Pinot Noir. I always find it interesting when, you know, people are in the taste room and they 
don't are not familiar with Pinot Noir and they think it's light. You know, they'll go, oh, they'll look at the color and they'll go like, oh, and they won't expect this full flavor, you know, and I, we tried to educate them on it. The color does not tell you what the flavor is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, I remember when I first started drinking wine and Bruce would try to explain to me the difference and he would say, well, you know, Cabernet has a flavor profile about like this big and Pinot's flavor profile is this big. And so that's what I tried to tell, you know, there's such a beginning and a middle and an end to Pinot Noir, you know, it's, and it is, like you said, a very delicate grape. You have to handle it very gently. You can ruin it very easily. It's finicky. It's finicky. Fortunately, you have Ben who is so experienced with handling this grape and making it into great wines that your end product is absolutely the smoothest thing. And that that's one of the things, Renee, you just mentioned was beginning, middle, and end. And that's another quality that uh, wines are evaluated on is uh, what's the attack like? What's the delivery? What's the mid-mouth? And then what's the finish? And my comment was going to be, um, it's darn near perfect because it's got, um, a, it envelops, it's not an attack. Attack is like the technical term that people use, but it's not an attack. It's this beautiful delivery of red fruit and it opens up beautifully in the mid mouth and then it just kind of keeps going and going through the finish. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't fall off. It's just, it's really beautifully even. And that's obviously a reflection of having an expert winemaker uh, is somebody who knows how to do that because not everybody can deliver that way. Thank you. Really delicious. And it's, it is, I do encourage guests as well that I know we're sheltering in place and it sometimes is hard to open up more than one bottle at a time, but it is fun to taste those different expressions. So I'm really looking forward to tasting um, the Pinot from the Russian River Valley. So if you get a chance, you know, pick up a few of these bottles and taste them together and you can always pour them in them or you can, you know, they'll, they'll stay, they'll be okay for a couple days with the cork in. So we're, yeah, actually we're, we have tasting kits obviously available for virtual tastings where one of our winery hosts will uh, walk you through the tasting. And with each uh, shipment of that tasting kit starting in June, we're going to ship repours. I don't know if you've not seen those. They're a special kind of cork that you can put in the bottle that pulls the oxygen out of the bottle so that you can save the wine for a few more days. Wow. So, cause, because the tasting kit control, you know, it might have three or four bottles of wine in it and it's not that easy to drink them all, you know, in one day or two days. So this is a way, one of the ways that will make it easier for people to do the virtual tastings and have the wine last a few more days. Great idea. Hmm. I want to make sure our listeners know if you're ready to. Uh-oh, I lost her. Yeah, it looks like Marsha just uh, maybe is having a little bit of technical difficulties. So just she's not a little cut to, off. Um, place your order for your taste treat to the website. Midstream, yeah. a little cut off midstream. So, Marsha, are you there? Yeah, I am. Am I back? You're back, yes. <laughs> you got cut off. We didn't quite hear exactly what you were saying. Yeah, you know, a little hiccup in the uh, Comcast delivery service. So I just want to make sure that our listeners know the web address, papapietro-perry.com, and that's spelled P-A-P-A-P-I-E-T-R-O, 
hyphen Perry, P-E-R-R-Y.com. Um, and obviously you can just uh, Google the name if you're not sure and can't remember all the spellings. <laughs> That's okay, Joe. That'll work. Renee, should we move on to the Russian River Pinot now? Sure. Mmm, yummy. So this is the 2016 Peter's Vineyard from the Russian River Valley. The Peter's Vineyard is in Sebastopol, out in Sebastopol, uh, off of Frick Road. One of the vineyards that we have been making wine from since the beginning of time. Uh, when we first moved up here and we're looking for Pinot Noir, Bruce went out driving around Sonoma, talking to anybody who would talk to him and said, you know, does anybody have Pinot Noir grapes? And he met somebody who turned him on and introduced him to Randy Peters. At the time, Randy was selling all of his Pinot Noir to Gallo and his contract was just about up. And so Bruce showed up with an envelope filled with cash and said to him, how about, how about if we take a few of those tons of grapes? Cash worked. And uh, Randy's was a, you know sold us some of his wine his uh, grapes and you know and since then we've had a relationship for 20 years on a handshake with Randy and uh, the Peters Vineyard has won Pigs and Pinot twice one time we won Pigs and Pinot which is a big wine tasting event that the Hill, Hotel Hillsburg has 50 or 60 of the top Pinot Noirs in the world are invited to participate. We won one time as the number one Pinot Cup, and then uh, two years ago, we came in second, both times with Peter's Vineyard wines, different years, but the only winery to ever have placed twice. Wow. It's pretty exciting. That, that is a big deal with um, Charlie Palmer, right? Yeah. It was, it, I mean, I was there when we won the second, I mean, I'm sitting there in the audience listening, they're announcing who's going to win, and I've just like, all right, I'll, I'll hang out and see who wins. You know, in a million years, didn't think I was going to win again, you know? And then they went like, oh, here's a, uh, the wineries won before. Oh my gosh, you know, Papa Viejo Perius. <laughs> <laughs> Almost <laughs> fell off my chair. Yeah. The Peters Vineyard at one time was an apple orchard. So it was an apple orchard and... Uh, Very cool. And for our listeners who may not know, the Peters Vineyard uh, has uh, at least three different clones, the Pomard clone, and then the uh, 115 and the 777. I, th I think of those three as the most famous and the most widely used of, of clones for Pinot, although I am no expert, so I won't claim that, but that's what I see most frequently. And boy, the, you know, the first thing, I don't know if I said this, the first thing I got was Bing Cherry with other items, you know. And so for listeners who may not be aware, um, every vineyard is going to produce this differently. This Pinot Noir is distinctly different from the Sonoma Coast that we were just enjoying, um, but, but different. Yeah. So Renee, tell, tell us some more about um, the, the ongoing development in working with the Peters. You mentioned the handshake agreement. I think the finest winemakers and wineries uh, find that they, they, they have the best deals over handshake agreements. Well, for us, we always, you know, we have contracts with a couple of our 
uh, vineyards, but really, so what are we going to do if it doesn't work out? Are we going to sue each other? So we, we realized that we're not. So, you know, we figured what, might as well do it all on a friendly basis. And it's worked out the Lyris Vineyard, which is another one of our vineyards that we make a lot of our, our Pinot from also handshake, you know, so we have our block, we know where we are. And, you know, Randy will tell us, Randy Peters will say, you know, we made Grant Peters Vineyard famous. I mean, up until us, there was nobody had ever heard of it. Actually, Randy's uh, father-in-law's name is Tom Mukaida. And we do make a Mukaida Vineyard. We call it Mukaida Vineyard. It's really a block, but Tom Mukaida actually owned the vineyard. Tom Mukaida was, is a Japanese American who was in an internment camp during World War II and came out and worked at this ranch and ended up being able to actually buy the ranch. So he owned the ranch and he grew apples. Then Randy married his daughter and said, you know, I think we should kind of convert some of this over to grapes because, you know, grapes are the thing. So he convinced them to do it and, uh, you know, been great ever since. So Tom has passed away recently, but he lived into his 90s and worked the vineyard up until the very end. We gave him, we honor him by take, picking the best nine barrels of the Peters Vineyard, and we call that Mukaida Vineyard, and we sell that a special vintage just to honor Tom, who was so thrilled to see his name on a bottle. You've never seen anyone look happier. He picked up that bottle with his name on it. It was empty when he came to the winery, and he carried it around with him and would not give it back, even though we told him we would fill it for him. No. And he put it on his mantle and he had it there forever. It was just so cute and sweet. Oh, that's so touching. It really was sweet. Now, Peter's Vineyard, actually, you know, they ask you always, what's your favorite? And I always say, whichever one's in my glass. But really, it is the Peter's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for listeners, I mean, you can't see the color, but the contrast between this and the Sonoma Coast, you actually can see it in the glass. So it's a little bit more um, tinted and deeper deeper um, red tones, almost tawny-ish, but it still is so youthful and delightful and more dark fruit in the profile. There we go. <laughs> I always think it has a, such a great mouthfeel and a finish, you know, just really, just, you know, it's just delicious. Really, you know, every time you take a sip, you kind of go like, hmm, man, this is good. <laughs> it is, and then again, it's beautifully balanced. Uh, there, there's there's nothing poking out when I think about wines that have not made a perfect transition from juice and fermentation into finished wine. Sometimes things are kind of sticking and poking out of their flavor profile and you're you're smacking your lips extra, you know, or you know, or something, or or you you drink it, but then you get a great mid-mouth. And then it disappears. You know, there's all different kinds of things that represent things where it, it it hasn't quite gotten its full profile. But but both of these pinots that we've tried today have just been absolutely stunning. Well, in the winery, we have uh, these jars of dirt from each of the vineyards that we source from. It is very interesting. When you want to know why the wine tastes different, you just look at the dirt you know, so completely different. The Peter's Vineyard actually, although it's about, I think at least eight or 10 miles from the ocean, there's still shells in the, in the dirt, you know, because it was the ocean floor at some time in our past history. Yeah. And, you know, and some of our, the vineyards play and some of them are barely sandy and some of them are really dark dirt. Uh, you know, one of the vineyards was a cow farm. So that earth is really dark and, you know, 
nutrients. They were rich. Yeah. <laughs> so it, you, really, you really can see why we make everything exactly the same. There's not one single thing different amongst all of the wines. They're all in the same kind of barrels. They're all made the same, yet they all taste different. Wow. And I, so, I think that's one of the really cool things that oh. I first learned is that everything vintage to vintage is exactly the same, which is very traditional and I think very unusual for California for it to approach it that way, which is, you know, like, like you said, if you like the Peters, you're going to like all the Peters. You know, if you like Sonoma Coast, you're going to like all the Sonoma Coast. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say it gives you great ability to taste the terroir and to taste because, you know, you know, the winemaking has stayed consistent. I went to a winery once where they, they seem to be proud of the fact that every single vintage was different. And I just could not even understand that. I remember he said, oh, well, they're always different. And I was like, well, if I like one, how am I going to know I like the other one? You know, and they just, you know, whatever. business <laughs> 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 their own way. <laughs> so, Renee, can we talk a little bit, uh, step back a little bit more from the business point of view? We like to talk with the uh, women we interview a little bit more about... Um, their path, uh, but also challenges they've faced. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about the artwork. So um, your Papa Pietro Perry logo uh, is divided into a quadrant here. I was assuming that was for the four partners in ownership. How's my guess? That's a good one. I've never heard that, but that's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell um, us about, um, you know, the development of the branding and sure. when, when we started, as I said, we were not rich people. You know, a lot of winery owners were are really wealthy people who think this is their hobby. We, we mortgaged our homes so that we could start a winery and had no idea what we were getting into and how much money it was going to cost. And so when we started, I first... I took some clip art, you know, off of the internet and made a business card. And then we said, well, we're going to be a real winery. We need a label. One of Ben's children's friends who just graduated from college was a graphic, as a graphic artist said, oh, I'll make you a label. So I gave her the clip art that I had. I told her we like this because it looks like peas. That's what we thought of it. Those little squiggles are kind of like peas and well, Papa Pietro, Perry, Pinos. We said, we are all about peas. Mm. So... <laughs> So she took that and came up with the label. Originally, we had a paper label that had the same look, but it had some foil around the outside of the label. And every time you put the bottles in and out of the box, because they're the little fatter kind of bottles, it would chip a little bit. That little foil would chip. It drove my husband crazy. Couldn't stand the bottle was chipped. And, and so we we're one of the very first people I think to go to the silk screening with Bergen when they first started up we knew some people who were friends with them got us involved in that and we decided to go with the silk screening and so now we silk screen the bottles and um, it seems to work out the bottle the labels never get ruined if a bottle breaks in shipping the rest of the wine is all still fine and good and you know it's just has worked out pretty good and we just have stuck with the same same look well, it's absolutely beautiful. So all good choices made all the way around. Uh, I want to ask you, Renee, what kind of challenges do you guys see going forward? We've got climate change. We've 
we're dealing with this bizarre pandemic that hasn't happened in a hundred years. How, how do you personally feel like, how do you prepare for these things that are completely unexpected? And, and what are your, some, some of your ideas going forward on all of these surprises that we're facing? Well, clearly no one could have imagined a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, I guess some people did, but we did not. Right. Um, you know, I just, I think it's reinventing yourself constantly. You know, we're just rolling with the times. Luckily, as I've thought many times, very lucky that the pandemic happened actually now and not 10 years ago, because we have things like Zoom that we're on right now and the ability to meet with people and touch them in electronic ways and run businesses from your home. Can you imagine 10 years ago, what would we have done? We really would have all been out of business. There would have been no way to communicate with everyone you know, it would have just been a whole new world. So you just got to be flexible and think on your feet and try different things. I've always been a person who says, let's try it and see if it works. If it works, we do it. If it doesn't work, we'll do something different. I mean, you can analyze things to death and never get anywhere, or you can try something and see how it goes and be willing to change when it doesn't work and then, you know, enhance it when it does. So it's a challenge, you know, luckily I'm happy that we've been in the business for 22 years and not a new winery trying to open up now in the midst of all of this because we do have a loyal following and a big wine club and, and all of that keeps you going. You know, if you didn't have those things, I don't know what you do. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about wine club because that's probably what's of interest to our listeners a little bit more. Um, talk, talk about, uh, what different type of club memberships you may have and what folks can expect if they sign up for the club. Okay, we have three different levels of our wine club um, and we just went simple with bronze, silver and gold. <laughs> and uh, we ship wine only twice a year because of the weather. So we think that's the best option. So we try to, we only ship wine in the spring and the fall when the weather's neither too hot nor too cold. At the lower level, you get six bottles in your shipment and a 10% discount. And then it goes up to a case of wine at 15% or two cases for 20%. We have, when we are allowed to, quite lovely parties <laughs> when you can have people at your winery. And obviously our wine club members get first dibs on all of the wines. When we're selling out, they get first dibs on whatever is about to be end, end of uh, vintage left. Um, we come if they come to the tasting room they get to taste for free we try to treat them like family members and you know really do our best to make them happy but as we always say really is about the access to the wine you know the parties are fun but when people don't live here they sometimes they think oh i can't be in the wine club because i don't live there but that is not true you know you get the wine and you get the wine at a discount and on a regular basis plus we have some supplemental clubs like the mukaita we talked about that special wine that we make only a few nine barrels of only goes to the club and we have some other wines that are just club exclusive so it gives you access to the wines and you know where we love having people be in our wine club being part of our family Mm -hmm. And you can sign up on the website, right? Sign up on the website. You can call us. We're happy to talk to anybody. So whichever way for you listeners is easiest. If it's the website, it would be papapietro-perry.com. Um, or you can pick up the phone. And golly, I have the phone number here in front of me someplace. 
two, two. Okay, so there's, there's a quick way to do that, which is great. So Renee, I wanna ask you a little bit more in the, the last few minutes that we have back. Um, women in the wine industry holding down the CEO position is relatively small, um, as you undoubtedly already know. Um, <laughs> Do you have some stories you'd like to share about what it's been like or where you think it's going as relates to women working in the wine industry? You know, it's, I, it's hard for me to, because we're a small and family owned winery, it's pretty easy for me to be in charge, right? It's my winery. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of bossy, so it works out pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, in a corporate job, I don't know how often women are making it up the ladder. I mean, from my corporate world into the software, I saw that, you know, how it was not that easy for women, you know, be in a meeting, you'd be the only woman amongst 10 men, you know, sitting in there making decisions. And, but I noticed that still, in spite of it all, you go somewhere and if I'm standing next to a man and somebody starts talking to us like in a boring or whatever, they look at him. You know, they, they think it could even be just a friend. It doesn't even work at the winery. You know, just they just people assume that the man knows more. You know, it's just really the, the plight of women. But <laughs> the good part for me is that I don't have anybody to answer to. There is no corporation here other than us. So it is easy for much easier for me. And I when I left the software world, more assholes you know basically <laughs> and so it was just an easy decision <laughs> I go the only one I'm going to work for is myself and so you know I just can't even imagine having to answer to anyone so it's really great that I get to make all the decisions and be queen and I, I love your candid discussion and I did read on your bio that you're originally hailing from the east coast so I love and I can still sense the New Yorker the east coast in you so that's been yeah, it runs deep, even though I've lived in California for so much longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the typical thing, though. It's fantastic. <laughs> we need more of that out here in California. I have been accused of not being able to not speak my mind. But. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. But I do, um, I would like to encourage our listeners to, you know, to try some of your clonal wines. You have, I saw clone 777 and the Parmard clone in a tasting kit, which would be a fantastic gift or shelter in place activity, especially because the wines are made in the same way. And you really, it's hard to find that, especially from the same winemakers. So you can really taste the different expressions of the clones. The Pomard clone actually won in the international wine competition, best of shows. It was the number one wine out of 700 wines. So it, it was double gold, best of class, best of show. So it's a beautiful wine. All the more reason for people to seek it out and try it so they can really find out what the judges appreciated in it. Um, if you agree. Yes. <laughs> And then the sampler did, the sampler includes all of the wines that we had um, today. So if you wanted to try both of the Pinots and the Rosé of Pinot Noir, that's all available. As Sampler's well. fun. It's a fun tasting because you get to really see, you know, different wines. We also make a Chardonnay, by the way. One Chardonnay from, from the Peter Vineyard. <laughs> oh, Peter. Okay, great. Very yeah. fun. Very fun. And you could go through the tasting kit with one of your tasting room hosts in a virtual tasting. 
That's right. How perfect is that? Of your own home. Yes. Hello. I look look at where Renee is when we can get back out there. Tell us a little bit about the experience, Renee, because mm. it's just gorgeous. Well, we're lucky enough to have this beautiful location in Dry Creek Valley where we're, I'm sitting on the patio right now. And if I could, if you could see, let's see. I don't think it'll, can you see? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we can. Thank beautiful. you. <laughs> yeah. it, it's the beautiful Dry Creek Valley everywhere you look. It's just the most beautiful, tranquil spot to sit and sunsets over there too. So it's really lovely to be out here on the patio, which when we do get to open, ever. It will be outside serving, I believe, to start with to make sure that everybody stays safe because we're all safer outside. So yep. we've arranged the patio with six foot dif distances and, you know, made it so that we would be able to serve people when we can open. Yay. Okay. Yeah. Sooner rather than later is what we're going to hope and, and pray for. Um, Renee, uh, one last question. Uh, for our women listeners who might be contemplating their career in wine, um, do you have any advice you'd like to share with, you know, some simple words of wisdom about women going into the wine industry? A lot of fun. <laughs> That's really important. It really is. I mean, I really, I sold, I did software. Trust me, it's a lot more fun to work in wine than it was in software. <laughs> Nobody's mad at you. They're, you know, they generally are happy people all around you. You're, everyone's happy to see you arrive at a party because you show up with your wine. You know, so um, you know you're a welcomed addition to any event. And really, it's just it's so much fun to be here. The tasting room is really we try to really have a lot of fun in our tasting room. We're especially interested in laughing. We as we say always around here, we're we're not serious people, but we're serious about wine. So, <laughs> We have t-shirts here that have funny sayings on them. They're all things that people have said about the wine. Things like, you know, spicy and seductive or, you know, near perfect, like you said about the wine. That was one of the things that was on one of our t-shirts and, you know, so good you want to swallow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, we're only talking about the wine. But, <laughs> we, try to have, we try to have a good time. So, you know, I, it seems that women are often that you know end up in hospitality because it seems to come natural to us but I encourage all women to learn how to do whatever you want to do and don't let yourself stop until you get where you want to be I think those are the key words don't stop don't let anybody else try to stop you right nobody else defines who you are but yourself so I've heard stories from some women when they've said um, a male said they couldn't do something and they felt like it set them back five years because it halted them from doing what they want, but it didn't really stop them. It just slowed them down to realize he shouldn't be able to tell me what I can and can't do. And it doesn't always have to be a he, so not to diss on the guys. Um, follow your dream. I also would say I have a personal thing that I, women should be helping other women. Mm -hmm. I, nothing upsets me more than when I see women being mean to each other and, you know, this mean girl thing when they're young and then when you get old and, you know, we should be helping each other to rise up and take over. I think we're better at most everything, so we should try. <laughs> mm -hmm. Woohoo! Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Excellent. 
And I think that's a good note for us to all finish on. I want to thank Renee Perry, CEO of Papa Pietro Perry Winery in Healdsburg, uh, a winery that specializes in single vineyard designate Pinot Noirs, but they also have a Chardonnay and they have a Zinfandel um, and lots of opportunities for you to try out their award-winning and highly rated wines that have been around for 22 years. Uh, an overnight sensation of 22 years. So Renee, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Yes. Thank you, Renee. Misty, thank you so much for being here. And Lisa, I want to thank you for uh, your undying organization of this. Um, <laughs> it's always a challenge, particularly since you've been gone. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we've long, Renee and I have long talked about us. This is great that it worked out. Yeah. And she's willing to be our first virtual guest. So this is new for all of us. Our <laughs> vow is we will, we, once things, the dust has settled, we're going to go sit on the porch with Renee at Papa Pietro Perry um, to enjoy it in person when it is safe to do so. Please do. Thank you, Mom. Yeah. Listeners, thank, thank you. you for tuning in. We really appreciate you being with us today and coming back to join us after our Corona hiatus. So thank you as well. All thank right, you. ladies, until our next show. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.